0: I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome aboard. You know, the theme I have today rolling around is I'm watching news reports I'm watching the different stories. I watch all the different networks. I try and keep track of what's going on out there. And there's some disturbing things with the war uh, between the Israeli army and the terrorist group Hamas. There are disturbing stories of what the children are talking about, what happened to them, what you know is happening uh, to any of the women that are there. And it is absolutely... Horrific. Now, we've talked about this. We know it's horrific. I can't believe that here we are, months after the October 7th massacre by the Hamas terrorists of Israeli innocent civilians. And I have to ask a question. Where is the United Nations? Where are people stomping their feet, not demanding that Israel take care of all the uh, Hamas people, make sure they're treated properly as they try to defend themselves, make sure they have food and water and fuel to keep fighting. But where is the UN to demand the return of the hostages? Let's think about that, hostages. If this war needs to be over, there's a couple of things that can happen. Israel can back down and say okay we're done give us all our hostages and we'll leave and you can reconstitute do whatever you want to do in the Gaza we're done we've made our point we've destroyed lots of your infrastructure you've paid a heavy toll for what you did on October 7th let all our people go let all them hostages go and we'll step away and what would be the result of that well history and experience tells us very clearly that the terror attacks would continue. They would be emboldened. They would resupply. They would fire rockets into Israel. They would continue to create chaos. Because I have not seen one person from Hamas come forward and say, we want to end this fighting. Not one. In fact, when I have heard from representatives of Hamas, I have heard them say, our goal is to destroy Israel. Wipe it out you know, from the, from the uh, river to the sea to wipe it out completely. So if the Israelis stopped and the fighting stopped, it would be a short period of time until they would be attacking again. Hamas, not, not Israel. So let's look at it the other way. If Hamas wants this to stop, if they are so concerned about what's happening, why don't they surrender? Why doesn't the United Nations... And all of these countries that are bitching and moaning and running their mouth at the Israelis, why are they not demanding that Hamas, a terror organization, surrender? Stop the fighting immediately. Surrender. All your fighters come out. Show everybody where the weapons are. Let Israel take all the weapons. And that's the end of that. Wouldn't, wouldn't that solve the problem? Well, we, we know Neither of those two things are going to happen. Israel can't step away because you can't live like that. You can't live under the fear of rockets. I think 10,000 rockets in the last year landed in Israel. I think I heard that somewhere. Even if it's 1,000. 1,000 rockets. Imagine 1,000 rockets landing in your neighborhood. People dying from that. Buildings blown up, your apartments, your houses. It is absolutely unacceptable. And where is the world, the world as one voice, all these Western democracies, all these places of freedom and liberty that suffered through World War II and were saved by America over and over again, where are they, instead of lecturing Israel about how it should fight a war, where are all the leaders of all of these countries in the West denouncing Hamas and saying, let those hostages go. that is untenable. that is the number one thing that you've got to do immediately you want peace you let every one of them hostages go now obviously the situation is a little different than that this is not two governments arguing over a border or mineral rights or water rights or something along those lines israel is defending itself Hamas, a terror organization, which is also a governmental organization. They're in charge in the Gaza Strip, and the West Bank. They are attacking Israel. They have committed acts of war. Murder, rape, robbery, beheadings, torture. These are the things that Hamas has committed. Now, we, it's terrible when there's loss of life. All right? I think all of us can say, yeah, it'd be better if nobody on either side was killed. But whose fault is that? On October 8th, did Israel decide, you know what, we're just going to go in the Gaza Strip and start killing civilians and blowing up buildings and, and wrecking their infrastructure. Did Israel decide that? No, they did not decide that. That was decision made for them by the attack on October 7th by Hamas. See, we're losing track of this, which is a a couple of episodes ago, I talked about the symptoms of the breakdown of our humanity. And it's true. And, you know, it's interesting. We have a a priest in our church, Father Dave. And Father Dave is really, and I've I've spoken about him before. Excuse me. I've spoken about Father Dave before. He's very insightful. He's a very smart man. He brings up really interesting thoughts about the world and faith and God and how as human beings we interact with each other. And at a recent Sunday service, he was talking about you know our relationships with other people and, and what is it actually that we're doing. Is, is God going to come back? Is Jesus going to come back? Well, he's definitely going to come back, was Father Dave's point of view. Uh, he's definitely coming back. But are you ready? And in the Christian faith, uh, this time of year, we talk about, you know, uh, the return of Jesus and, and what's going to happen and all of that. But Father Dave's points are, are, are usually thought-provoking enough that it takes me a couple days really to continue to think about them and, and run them through my head. And I think about these hostages being taken and saying, <clears throat> how, how are you going to answer for that? How are we going to answer for the fact that we're not demanding that they be released, that the whole world is not united together? Every navy in the world is not surrounding the Gaza Strip and every military is ready to go and say, we're all going to destroy you unless you give up those innocent hostages. See, so I'm conflating a couple of ideas here and I, and I don't mean to, to do that, but you see my point? I, I As we get further and further away from October 7th, and we see more and more of symptoms of the world being destroyed. We have to ask ourselves: Are we are we at the end times? And that was really my point about Father Dave. Is you know is the world going to end? Yes, it is. is it's going to end tomorrow. We don't know. We know Jesus said He's coming back, right? And He didn't say when, but He did say mm, you should be prepared at any moment. But He gave signs, and that's that's really where. <clears throat> excuse me. Where Father Dave was starting here, do we have signs of the end times? Because you know the Bible tells us about the end times, and everybody's you know running around. Who's the guy with the uh, sandwich uh, boards on him? You know the world's going to end in 1973, and then it didn't. And then he said it's, it's going to end in '75. It's going to end in '82. You know, and these things didn't come true. And but but these people had these ideas. But there are signs we can look for, and we know that they're supposed to be. You know, floods and earthquakes. Are there floods and earthquakes all over the earth? Well, yeah, there are. Uh, There's supposed to be darkness. Now, as Father Dave put it out, darkness, does that mean like physically dark, no sunshine? Well, it could be, but it could also be the darkness of the human experience. Are we experiencing darkness right now? Look at the things that are going on all over the world. Do you feel good? About what's going on? Do you feel that this is um, positive? That mankind is moving forward? Or do you see all the conflagration around the world? The buildup that, you know, everybody can feel it. We can all feel what's coming, right? There's commercials on, on radio and TV now. You know what's coming. Make sure you buy your food supply because when the world shuts down or comes apart, you better be ready. You know, so the signs that are out there, There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Well, don't we have that all over the place? So I think Father Dave's point was that we can see these things very clearly now. And just like generations before, they all thought this was the one where Jesus is coming back and the world's going to fall apart. He's going to come back and vanquish evil and all that. But it doesn't happen in their time, just like the guy with the sandwich board. 1973, the end of the world, and then. 73 goes into 74 and it's not. So he makes a new signboard. 82, you know. Where are we as a world today? And I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm asking a question. You know, the the symptomology that we see of these growing wars, these growing problems, people not getting along, violence, potential wars, the rise of China and Russia... and and the attacks that we see. Sorry, I hate to keep coughing like that. Is this the end time? Well, it may or may not be. I mean, it could be a thousand years from now. But it's not looking good. Things are not positive. So the question is, where is the United Nations? Why do we have the United Nations? You know, the idiots that put Iran in charge of, uh, you know, human rights. We are so ass backwards in what we're doing our our country our world our thoughts and i also seen a lot of these pop-ups you know uh evil's out there and it doesn't hide itself anymore well it doesn't does it does evil hide itself we have people marching around uh j Paul, I think that's her name j Paul, congresswoman I don't want to say her name wrong I but I think it's j Paul is her last name and she comes out and says – she was asked a bunch of questions about Hamas raping women as as part of the war process <clears throat> and murdering babies, cutting the heads off of baby. Now, this is graphic. I don't mean to be so graphic, but I think we have to understand what we're dealing with here. Are those horrific things – and she says well we can't conflate this and that what israel is doing is is killing women and the the person who was interviewing her kept trying to bring her back to i'm not asking about that about what israel is doing i'm asking you about the initial attack of october 7th and what goes on where are all these women's groups where are all these women's groups we know that the women at the, the at the initial attack on the 7th were raped some raped to death some of them were uh I, I can't be too graphic, but parts of their bodies were cut off while they were being raped. Uh, absolutely horrific. It, there's no place for that. That is the work of the devil. And I'm not, oh, Lieutenant Joe, the work of the devil? You're going to I'm not saying that, but it's it's evil, isn't it? That is evil, and it's running rampant, and it's not hiding itself anymore, and we have people defending it. So this, this Congresswoman, Japel, She keeps coming back and saying we have to have a balanced view of the violence, a balanced view of terror, why terror takes place, Uh, because people are so put down, they have to fight back. Well, this is what we've seen here, and the hostages, and this is my point, the hostages are the, what would you call them, the central point for us to all look at, the fact that any of us go to bed at night. And we're not screaming as to why those hostages are not released. That our government is not making that a condition of everything else. Of everything else. You know, the people of Gaza, uh, the, the Palestinian people that are there, and we, we've tried to decide here and, and define are they all Hamas supporters? Are they all terrorists? or are they some people who are just caught up in this? And what I've said along is they, they can't all be terrorists. There's probably a lot of them, if not most of them, given it the benefit of the doubt, that just wanna live their lives, just wanna raise their families, just wanna live in peace, but they can't when there's an organization like Hamas around, which is dedicated to destroying the state of Israel, not not creating a two-state solution, not finding a way to live together because they wanted to live together. They would find a way to live together. They wouldn't be throwing rockets over the border. What's the purpose of throwing rockets at your neighbor? Why would you do that? Why would you, why would you shoot rockets into neighborhoods where, where people are, where schools are, where children are? So, of course, there's going to be some idiots that are listening to me and they go, well, Lieutenant Jody, Israelis are doing that right now. <clears throat> the Israelis are fighting a war that was pushed onto them by this terrorist organization. The terrorist organization that hides amongst civilians. They hide amongst the civilian population, knowing that the media and the world, which is anti-Semitic for the most part, will look at Israel's response as how come... Exactly what we're saying. How come you're not giving them food and medicine? How come you're not shipping stuff in there so you could take... They started this war. Where is Hamas to come out and say, we don't want our our population, our innocent population, hurt. So therefore, we're going to lay down our weapons. We're going to stop. We're going to figure out how we can get along because they don't want to get along and they don't care about their own people. That's why. Their people are simply uh, fodder that they can use for public support. If an apartment building were blown up tomorrow, I know I would feel horrible about it. If the Israelis hit an apartment building and innocent people were in there and killed, I would feel terrible about it. I would think it would be a horrible thing that happened. I think most people would. But I don't know that Hamas would think that. I think they would say, oh, look at that. 800 people killed in an apartment building. That's fantastic because you know what? That's going to make the Israelis look really bad and the world's going to turn on them and that's a good thing. Now, where do I get that from? Because why aren't they trying to help their people? Very simple. These are very simple questions. So I ask, where is the UN? Where is the Congress? Where are the Republicans to stand up and say, not another thing gets done until we get those American hostages back? Where are the, the president and his administration demanding that these people be released? Where are we not rattling our sabers because they have committed an act of war against the United States? They've taken American citizens hostage. Now, I know I understand all the ramifications about them doing that, that that could go into a bigger conflict. It could ignite a bigger war. I get all that. But that doesn't mean you don't say it. That doesn't mean you don't demonstrate it. We sit back and do nothing. And the other thing is, how about let's take a look at, um, I think it's, the is it the Hutus? I want to make sure I get it correct. They were They were described as a, they were designated as a terrorist organization by Donald Trump. And Joe Biden came in and removed that designation. They've been firing rockets, 75 separate attacks on American bases with drones and rockets and missiles and all this other stuff at our ships, our our military bases in the area. 75 attacks. Each attack is an act of war. And what have we done to respond? Well, we blew up a couple of empty garages. We blew up uh, a small depot where there was a couple of, you know, terrorists in there and they were killed. But has that stopped? No, I think at that point they said there were 40 attacks and now there's been 75 attacks. And do we hear the president standing up and saying, fire one more rocket, one more rocket, and we will decimate everything, all your bases, everything? No. Where's our Congress? Where's our Republican Congress to stand up? and? You know, I'm going far afield here, but asking, the the, the real question is, where are these people? We're all going about our lives, watching this on the news, because it's far away, but these are individual human beings. Where are the women's groups? So one of the reasons I started considering this and trying to think about this is, for our friends on the left, for our friends on the left, our progressive liberal socialist kind of groups, there is a hierarchy. There's a hierarchies amongst their groups of who is victimized more and who can victimize people. So the Me Too movement was started because women were victimized by people in positions of power in Hollywood. Totally inappropriate and horrible. I have a daughter who's in the movie industry and she came across not exactly she's not a big star she was just starting out in the business but she had to producer, the guy putting up the money for a couple of the movies she was in want to uh hey why don't you go out to dinner why don't you let me give you a ride home this guy was 25 30 years older than her and it was clear what he was up to he was up to this with all the women on the set and my daughter was appalled by it now We know that that's true. We know that men can often behave very badly, especially when they're in positions of power around women. So the Me Too movement started to call an end to this. These young women should not have to have sex with people to get parts in movies. Now, they don't have to, unless they're held down and raped, which is criminal, and those people should go to prison. You know, if, if you feel the only way you can get that movie part is to do that, then don't take the movie part. Right? Well, that's my career. No, it's not. It's not your career. You could do something else with life. You could be, you could be a nurse. You could be uh, a business leader. You could uh, do anything else. But if you have to get that part, you have to sleep with this producer or this person, then don't do it. Right? But it's not right. And that's why that movement started. And I wasn't opposed to that movement because it was trying to protect young women. Right? Because sex is used as a tool. But what do we see happen? We found out that lots of the people that were being tagged and accused and destroyed because of their bad behavior were our friends on the left. So that, that movement kind of died out. Now we have these blatant, brutal, inhumane attacks on women and young girls on October 7th. And I'm sure down in those tunnels every single day, we see these sexual assaults. And how come we don't have an outcry? Where are the women's groups screaming and hollering that this is horrible? Because it pits one liberal group against another. Right now, Hamas is anti-West, anti-Israel, anti-the West. And our friends on the left hate America, for the most part. They hate things about America. They hate the founding, they hate what we stand for. We're a horrible, rotten, racist place, and they hate that. And Israel is is uh, uh, an ally of America. So therefore, Israel is bad and Hamas is a victim. It's all the victimology of our of friends on the left. Well, when you have a group, women who are sexually abused, who we should all stand up for and protect, and normally we would, well, they were brutalized by another group that our friends on the left are trying to prop up the Hamas terrorists. So therefore, they're silent. They won't say anything about it because it would go against another one of their constituencies. So they've chosen Hamas because they're anti-American, they're anti-Israel, they're anti-tradition, and all of these different reasons, and I'm sure there's a hundred more, but they've chosen that those are the good guys in this conflict, Israel and America are the bad guys, And just because they're raping and brutalizing women, which normally they would stand up against, they can't because they can't voice anything negative about this other group. And it's not just these two groups. It is all of these uh, left-wing socialist kind of groups that are pitted against one another. When that happens, there's a hierarchy of who's going to win out in that right so you can look for the examples look for the examples we see these things this is a very clear one the sexual assault as a weapon against innocent women and girls in Israel and not a sound matter of fact when people bring it up these groups start fighting and tell you to shut up that's not something to talk about let's we have to understand the balanced view of what's going on what's the balanced view of using sexual assault as a weapon against innocent women and girls who did nothing in this conflict, but lived their lives. Where is that? Well, it conflicts with another left-wing group. So therefore, they're not going to talk out about it. Do you see the corruption in that? You know, as a more conservative person myself, I can look and see good, bad, and evil. And if my side is doing something good, bad, or evil, I'm gonna call it out because it's not right. Well, the other side can't seem to do that if it pits one group against another. So I find this to be absolutely horrific, and I'm trying to wrap my head around it every single day as I go through my life, trying to live my life, do what I'm doing. And then I still think about these people who, to this very day, are kept in tunnels. We've heard now that they've taken the little children and they've, uh, they've branded them. So that uh, they put their their legs and arms against the mufflers of these motorcycles that they kept so that if they got away, they could identify the kid. They've branded him. Isn't that like putting a tattoo on somebody's arm so you can identify them? Do we not see the sickness that is taking place in front of us? And the fact that there's even an argument about who's right and wrong here, that there's an argument that you have to have a balanced view of what happened. That is sickness. We can talk about the Palestinian people who are innocent and don't deserve to be brutalized or hurt in any way. I agree, they don't. They should live their lives, raise their families in peace. But if they're a supporter of Hamas, as that young woman who was raped to death and murdered and driven around naked in the back of a pickup truck after she was kidnapped, and people were coming out of their homes, spitting on her, mutilating her body, hitting her body. These were not people dressed in Hamas uniforms. These were just regular people. So the world has to decipher here. Innocent Palestinians should be protected and they should be allowed to live their lives without any of this pain and danger. But they have to make a decision as well and say, we can't have this Hamas here anymore and Hamas has got to go. So there's our choices. Israel can give up and continue to be victimized or Hamas can put down its weapons and figure out a way to not rape, rob, murder, kill and destroy innocents and find a way to live together so that there's peace in that region. Where is the UN? Where is the Congress? Where's the president? to stand up and say, terrorism is wrong. We'll be back in a minute. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Superboost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free, Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Spike proteins help viruses enter into your cells, disrupting your health and your well-being. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body of spike proteins, which allows your body to repair from within, supporting your immune and respiratory systems, and regulating your inflammatory response. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, foreign protein cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine that completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll wanna make sure to add throat spray to your next order of CoFix Rx. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flu, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Change in the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. All right, everybody, welcome back. Some heavy stuff today, right? We don't want heavy stuff. It's, uh, it's tough. You know, when I, when I think, and I talk about Father Dave because he really is a unique man uh, in the church, we we attended a lot of churches in the last couple of years. You know, we're Catholic, so we go to Catholic churches, and there was some problems in one or two of the churches that we were in that we didn't care for. So we tried a different. We went to a different one, and Father Dave uh, has been somebody we've gone to see occasionally. But in the last couple of months, we've really uh, been more focused on him and what he's done with the parish, and he's really he's really developed his voice to speak out and teach. That's what he's supposed to do, he's teach, right? He's a priest, he should be teaching. And he's been doing that and he's been calling us to, to different ideals. And when I think about that, I think about the the pain and the the agony of the Jewish people in Israel, the Palestinian people uh, in Gaza and the West Bank and the difficulty of their lives and, and going through this, war. think about Ukraine, and the people of Ukraine and the suffering they're doing. And, and you look at this and you say, it is the rise of evil. There's no, there's no doubt about it. It's, it's all around us now. And that's, this is why we all need to consider this. You know, what are we doing as a people? Where are we going as human beings? And that was the point. You know, I, I was a little inarticulate in the first part of the episode today, trying to really congeal my thoughts around, What's going on combined with, you know, Father Dave's homily about the end of the world? Is it the end of the world? Are we seeing these things? Are there signs that we can point to? And there, there are. And what do we do about that? As people, what do we do about that? Well, I think we can try and be kind to each other. We can choose to do good things. We can support people who are uh, hurt or injured. And that's why while I'm very upset with Hamas and terrorist organizations I'm not upset with the innocent Palestinian people they just want to raise their families how many times can we say this they're just they want to raise their families now ideology religious beliefs all these things are different all around the world and we all have to make choices about how we want to be seen how we want to function what we're willing to do etc etc and Trying to, trying to voice that, to put that all together is not always easy because there are some hard things that, that, come into, that come into conflict, you know, your personal beliefs, your own faith, your own sense of right and wrong, you know, all of these things start to, to combine and you want to always make sure you're doing the right thing as best as you can and that's, that's not easy to do. So trying to figure these things out sometimes takes a little thinking. And that's why we get together here and we try and think through them. Because I'm hoping that my struggles with trying to understand the world around us and what's going on and who I am in it can give voice to some questions that can help you figure out who you are. I can't tell you who to be. You know, I can only voice some things that, hey, these came to mind. What do you think? Just like Father Dave, when he does his homilies, he poses questions. He teaches. He's trying to give his point of view on a topic not to tell me what to think, but to get me to think so that I try to come to some understanding myself. So I'm going to move on from this. I just wanted to make sure we covered it pretty clearly. Um, it's important. This is, this is important stuff. And I pray for each and every one of them. Everybody over there and everybody here and everybody around the world who's suffering today. You know, there's Ukraine. There's people, innocent civilians getting killed there too. The Russians attacking them. But when we look at that conflict, we can say, is there a good and a bad? Well, the Ukrainians didn't do anything to ask Russia to invade and start dropping bombs on their their citizens. Where's the world outrage for that? Where's the world demanding that it stop? Where's the Western powers saying, no, you're not going to do this? Well, of course, it puts everyone in danger of a bigger conflict. So it's it's like the bully. The bully comes in and bullies somebody, and what's everybody do? Oh, man, I don't want it to be me. I'm not going to get involved. Let me back away. And we all pull out our cameras, and we video record the bomb hitting the uh, the pregnancy building. We, we, we take pictures of the people who are bound and gagged and shot in the back of the head and thrown in shallow graves by the Russian soldiers. You know, we look at these things and say, that's terrible. Oh, we should give them money to help them fight, but we're not actually helping them to win. So should we? That's a whole nother story. Are they actually good guys? Is Zelensky actually a good guy if he wasn't in this conflict? Or was he just another kind of dictator that's pretty good presence? There's all these questions we have. And because we don't have a lot of moral clarity from our leadership and the media doesn't give us clear information, they give us biased information, what they want us to think, it's hard to make the right decisions, and that's, that's some of the, I don't know if it's consternation or if that's just some of the trouble that I'm having with all of this. So one of the things that we've seen come out of all of this here in America, around the world really, but we're going to talk about America. A couple of episodes ago, I had talked about a program that I'm putting together on responding to protests. You know what's the right way to respond to a protest what can you do what can we do as as individual people uh, as our government as law enforcement you know w- what's the whole thing going on and we see this conflict in israel really creating um another outpouring of protest like uh the uh rodney, no, rodney King. Well, Rodney King had protests when that happened, right? There was outrage of what happened to him and there was protests and, and it turned into other kind of things. Well, George Floyd, you know, the George Floyd riots that went on and on, I think they were usurped. I think they were taken over by different uh, groups that saw opportunity to do things uh, using the death of George Floyd and the tragedy of that uh, as, a, as an excuse to do other things. But we see now we're seeing this rise in protests again. And, and these protests can be, they can be deadly, they can be destructive. And, and, and I said, okay, well, what am I gonna do here? What can I do to help people have an understanding, law enforcement, communities, uh, in different places? What can I do to help, based on my experience with safety and security topics, law enforcement, to help people prepare for these things? So I'm doing a program uh, I don't have the date yet. It's probably in February. I'm going to do a webinar. But a couple of episodes ago, I had talked about going over some of these points uh, about a protest and what we. If you are, if you are at a university, if you are in a mall, if you are a municipal leader somewhere, and these things are happening in your community, you have to be prepared. You have to prepare your people. So I, I came up with this program, and we're going to uh, look at. It. And I said a few episodes ago, I was going to look at these things and give you some some ideas and some thoughts of what we can do to prepare ourselves uh, before a protest takes place or a a demonstration of some kind, uh, during a demonstration or a protest, and then afterward, you know, how do we we move on? You see how difficult it is sometimes for communities to move on when there's terrible violence uh, inflicted in the community, either by uh, some kind of outside force or the people within or whatever it is. So I put this program together. I'm going to give you some of the highlights. So one of the things to keep in mind is that, you know, protests on our campuses and our in our city streets, they're nothing new. They've been with us for generations. What is different in these things is the recent uptick in violence we see during a protest. Now, when we see anger and grief and upset pour out into the streets, we've seen violence across human history. Um... You know, let them eat cake, you know, uh, when the people uh, of, of France were, were put upon and then they went out in the streets and they protested in the French Revolution and they took the king and the queen and cut their heads off. And, you know, so violence has always been a part of, of protest. But how we respond to it should be different because innocent people are, are affected. So we should do everything we can in an attempt to protect innocent people, innocent property, you know, people lose their businesses. People lose their businesses, they lose their livelihoods and people lose their lives when these things happen. So the uptick in violence that we've seen in the last groups of protests is because we have people who are very, very upset about the topic, whatever that topic might be. Uh, Whether they believe it's police brutality, Uh, whether they believe there is injustice in the world, whatever it is. We see this come from social change, political changes, world events, and other changes in our societal norms, our beliefs and our attitudes. You know, when you combine that with the stress of this modern world and this immediate nature of the Internet, uh, we're all interconnected. It can create an atmosphere where violence can certainly um, take place quicker than we thought. So in reality, if you are one of the people I spoke about, you run a campus, a university, a mall, a a downtown, or whatever it is you're in charge of that, uh, the protection of innocent people, uh, there is an expected level of care on every organization, institution, and business that they have to provide to students, staff, visitors, uh, employees, all of these things. You know, people go to work. Uh, if they go shopping, uh, they go downtown to get a dinner. Uh, they, there's an expected level of care. We expect the government, those in charge, to protect us from violence. So we have to be really cautious of that. And the reality is that if we don't consider our plans, our preparation, our responses to both nonviolent protests and violent ones, you know, the reality is that failure can be catastrophic to life, limb, and property, and that's just an absolute reality if we're not ready. right, so legitimate protest, let's talk about that. You know, we the people, the ability to protest and and have our grievances addressed is a bedrock part of our society, Um, is the right of a people to express our concerns in public and in private. You know, if we don't like something the government is doing, we have a right to protest. So while the January 6th riots may have gotten out of hand and people did criminal things, doesn't mean that the people who were upset didn't have a right to voice their opinions. You know, when we saw uh, the riots in 2020 and the the reason given was because of the police brutality uh, inflicted on on George Floyd and his, his murder, we saw people angry we saw burning, looting, murders, we saw all kinds of violence take place and we saw our media make excuses for it. Well, those feelings may be legitimate that people are that angry or grief stricken that they wanna strike out. But as a, as a society, all of us have a responsibility to realize if we bring violence, it's only gonna bring more violence. So while legitimate protest is a part of our rights as American citizens, and we should support people to protest, when they turn violent, we as a society have to say, no, we can't allow that because innocent people get caught up in the violence and that is, that's part of the problem, All right? So pe- people protest to advocate for change about things. They wanna vent anger. They wanna grieve a situation Or they want to celebrate how many times have we seen the championship come to town and then the crowd gets out of control and next thing you know they're damaging property setting cars on fire breaking windows all of this is is inappropriate but it's all part of the protest situation so understanding it and so legitimate protest can be positive right the concerns about a positive event you know one with no violence really includes the same things we got to be concerned about as one that may be violent or whether we think it's going to be violent or if it turns violent. But the reality is that legitimate protest can be a positive thing on society. You know, I I think all the time about Dr. Martin Luther King. And I've voiced on here how many times I I think he's a hero to America, that he came out and saw an injustice. He saw something ugly that had to change in our country. And he was willing to step out. And do, th- but he did it passively. He did not advocate violence, even though violence was being done to the people who were suffering from what he was protesting, you know. And he made all of us think about it and realize there's some things we had to change. Some things are not good. So, vi- legitimate protest can be a positive thing in our society when it's when it turns violent. Is when we have a problem and that's when we have to be concerned about that and and see where we're going and right, so some of the concerns that you're going to have are the planning planning for a non-violent or a violent incident right sometimes we know they're going to be violent right the preparation the training you do for people what do you expect in their performance how are they going to handle problems how are they going to respond to danger or any violence that does uh uptick right securing locations moving people addressing injuries and then recovery from known and unknown events right so known and unknown is we're not sure how it's going to go it's you know mostly peaceful until we see people burning buildings down and and killing each other and destroying things then it's not so quite so quite so peaceful so you have to keep an eye on all of these things planning preparation training performance handling problems getting ready to respond in advance, whether it's a violent incident or a non-violent incident. All right, so we're going to break these things down to known and unknown, right? A known event is a protest or a demonstration that we know about in advance, right? It may have been publicized, there could be posters put up, it could be on social media, we could see people in the news, you know, calling for, there's going to be a demonstration Thursday at, uh, you know, Town Hall, for whatever the reason. Uh, and other ways they let people know because they want people to attend the event. We, we want to all get in here together and do the right thing. So that's that's the known event. And we can plan for that better because we have some time. You know, time is always the key to all this stuff. So th- then there's the unexpected or the unknown pop-up kind of event, right? This is a protest or a demonstration that happens organically based on either immediate events in your town or your city, our nation, or somewhere in the world where it just strikes a chord with people, and suddenly people are out in the streets expressing themselves uh, in one of the ways we, we had talked about. These events can be based on, you know, social incidents, cultural incidents, violence outside of your own uh, area. You know, national conversations, protests outside of your area can begin to spread in your community very quickly. We saw that, you know, the George Floyd uh, riots. This was a, a topic that lots of people felt. It happened in Minnesota and that's where the protests began, but it spread very quickly across the country, didn't it? Next thing you know, it was all over. Even parts other parts of the world had problems. So the key to a proper response for these kind of events is being prepared in advance, whether you know it's coming or you don't. And in our modern world, you have to expect these things are coming. And with this latest conflict with uh, Israel and Hamas, we see that there's these conflicts taking place on our uh, campuses all over the place, in our town halls, in our downtown streets. This has really hit a nerve with a lot of people. It has revealed a lot of things about people. Uh, ancient hatreds have come to the, come to the fore, um, the inability of people to think clearly about things and to overreact uh, and react violently, all that kind of stuff. So we can see this thing happen. It can happen in your town uh, just as well. All right, so that known event gives us some time to, time to prepare, to get ready. The unknown event requires the same actions, uh, but if you don't consider this in advance, you, you could be caught off guard, shorthanded in personnel to handle it. You could be undersupplied and unprepared to properly handle the events as they unfold. That's the danger. This can lead to additional violence, injury, and property destruction. And that's usually what happens when there's no proper response to these things, we see more of it. So l- look at our border. When Trump had the remain in Mexico policy, people knew if they came to that border, they weren't just going to come in, be given a phone and a bus ticket to go wherever they want in a country and become citizens. They knew they weren't going to be allowed in. So what did it do? It slowed people down from coming because they knew there was going to be an appropriate response. What do we see now? There's no appropriate response. The Biden uh, era understanding of of the border is an open border come on the more people that can get here the better we're not going to stop you we're going to let you in we're going to give you food clothing uh, hotels we're going to give you bus tickets and airplane tickets send you wherever you want to go so people are coming and what what happens to our our border patrol people they are completely overwhelmed they can't handle the numbers of people now we now know that would be classified as a known event every single day but we were told by President Biden, his administration, that the border is secure. To this day, uh, Homeland Security Mayorkas tells us it's absolutely secure. We have a very secure border. Only we get hundreds of thousands of people coming over, overwhelming our border patrol people. Well, a a protest or a um, demonstration can quickly go the same way. If we're not prepared, we're going to have all kinds of problems. All right, so the preparation for a known event is you want to do some pre-event Uh, intelligence you have to read the the posts you have to look for the uh, meetings when people are gathering and what are they saying at these meetings you have to look for the posters and the uh, social media things or, or anything that you can find to gather some intelligence who's coming to this thing why are they coming are they coming because uh, they're upset that, you know, farmers aren't uh, aren't able to use uh, diesel tractors anymore and they're expected to use horses to plow their field and they're very angry because they're going to lose money. So you've got to understand who's coming. Right, for the unknown or the pop-up event, you have to anticipate who could be coming, right? What could it be about? So when we look today, we say one of the big things going on are not the George Floyd riots anymore. What we're seeing now is the... Uh, Israeli Hamas war protests. We have people who are in favor of Hamas, who think that they're being uh, hurt by Israel. Uh, And then we have the people who are defending Israel and they come together and it turns into a uh, a conflagration in the streets of our towns and cities. So as we do this, we want to understand that you don't know when it's going to happen. But if you do, you should be prepared by doing some intelligence and you can can put the right resources in place and, and plan for it. Next thing you have to do is identify your areas of concerns. So preparation and planning can be overwhelmed if we don't see them as a priority. If they're seen as a priority, you can provide the time and the resources to properly consider all the possibilities, engage our teams to work together, train them, dedicate the time for that, and obtaining the right supplies, equipment, and technology to assist in advance of any problem. That's how we solve any kind of a security problem whether it's known or unknown. We have to anticipate what could happen here, right? And if we start to think of that, uh, it helps us in how we plan the event and all of the things that need to go into it. All right, a simple way to consider uh, how to identify an area of concern is to think of, you know, old Murphy's Law, right? Uh, Murphy's Law uh, is a supposed law of nature expressed in various humorous and popular sayings to the effect that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. All right, so I got that definition from Oxford Languages, by the way. Very good resource. Uh, but think about that. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And we see that all the time, right, in humorous postings in this and that. So the whole idea is you got to figure uh, worst-case scenario, right? Plan for your worst-case scenario. Uh, and then if things are less than worst-case, you'll be in a better shot. So look for those areas of concerns. I, um, consider the unexpected, Do we create barriers? Do we think if there's going to be a protest about Hamas and Israel and the war, are we expecting we're going to get representatives from both sides showing up? Well, I think that's pretty clear now. We're probably going to see that. So do you put up barricades? Do you try and keep these people apart so that they can protest, but that they can't mingle? So do you physically put up barriers to keep them apart, make it harder for them to interact with each other negatively? You should be conducting what-if sessions, right? Go outside of your own experience. Look at lessons learned. Where else have there been riots that have gone violent and how were how they handled properly and improperly? Conduct a tabletop drill, right? Uh, have your team sit down and think of these scenarios, worst-case scenarios, and figure out how you'd handle each one, right? So you're better to be prepared, uh, over-prepared than under-prepared, and that's, that's always usually true. All right, so some areas of concerns... For response and action is that security personnel? Do you have enough security personnel or law enforcement? Who's go- who's going to be there as the authority to protect innocent life and property? Do you have them in uniform? Because uniform tells people, "Hey, the authorities on scene." Sometimes that slows people down. Hey, the authorities are here. But if you have a thing with ten thousand angry people and two officers, well, those two officers like they aren't even there. That's why you need a show of force. Not to use force on people, but to show there's a lot of authority here. Think twice before you do something bad. I or maybe you put undercover's in the crowd. That happens all the time, right? January 6th, there was a lot of undercover's, a lot of FBI people in there. Some were even saying that they were, you know, egging people on. We don't know. We haven't had a really good investigation done, but There were undercover people in there and the purpose is so that they can listen to the crowd. What's going on? Hey, we're all going to 8th Avenue. You're going to burn down the warehouse. So you kind of know you have some intelligence and then you can maybe go to the warehouse and protect it or prepare that people are planning for violence, right? Before the event, go over the policies, the laws, understand what people are allowed to do. We have to protect people's rights to protest. That is part of our country. We protect people's rights, you know are there staging places incident command area where are you going to go are you going to be out in the field so that you can command the situation do you have extra help coming how about first aid triage stations what if people get hurt get injured where are you going to bring them right and your technology are you going to have cameras out there are you going to have uh, are the officers going to have riot gear or just regular uniforms Are you going to have uh, crowd dispersal stuff like uh, CN gas, CS gas, pepper spray? Should they have shields? Are you going to use officers at all? Because sometimes that can amp up a crowd, right, when they see uniforms. You want want to pay attention to make sure there's a route of escape. This is a, you know, riot 101 training for most of the cops that are out there listening. You know, if you have a group of people and they're all coming down Main Street, and you decide, okay, it's time we have to shut this down, it's getting bad, it's getting dangerous, and you send in your law enforcement forces uh, to disperse the crowd, to move the crowd, you have to make sure you have an area of escape for those people. They don't feel like, okay, it's a dead end at the end of the block, there's no place to go. Now people are going to fight back, they're going to try and protect themselves, and things could be even worse. So do you have a a route, secure the facilities along the way. If you have a shopping center and you know that's where the protest is going to be, Maybe you barricade up them doors and windows to protect people from that. Uh, Fast response teams. Do you have people ready to go to hotspots wherever they are? Are you going to make arrests? Sometimes making an arrest makes it worse. Sometimes making an arrest makes it better. You got a big mouth inciting the crowd and you can go in and get them out of there quick. Sometimes that shuts it down. What are you going to do about public property damage? How about if there's shots fired? What if some lone wolf terrorist decides hey this is a great opportunity for me to come in and do something bad all of these things you have to be prepared for um physically and mentally all right so there's there's a lot more there's a lot more things to consider um one of the things i tell everybody when you're preparing for this if there's going to be a route or an area where people are going to protest check that area before the protest starts or before the crowds get there Make sure nobody has pre-positioned things like we saw in some of the George Floyd riots. People had pre-positioned rocks and bricks and all kinds of other stuff that they wanted to throw. So if you know that it's there, you have a fast response team removes it, gets it out of there. All right. So I I told you I would talk about this a little. So that's why I did today. And it's really in conjunction with all the consternation that's going on in our world. the, uh, The conflicts, the pain, the suffering of everyone. You know, let's think about. Um, how we can make things better listen to each other love each other and try and find answers that don't include hitting somebody with a brick right can these two countries live together in peace, they can but both sides have to decide they want to live in peace and we should encourage that and that's where all these groups should be coming out and saying hey, we're against terrorism stop the terrorism All right, my friends, that's a lot to think about today. I'll be back shortly and we'll talk about more. Have a great day. Be part of the solution, not a part of the problem.